Welcome to All About the South, I'm your host, Bronco Phillip. Whatever you guys are doing right at this moment, no matter who you are, wherever you're listening, stop what you're doing. Just keep it simple. Let's not try and be Peyton Manning. For sure, he'll, he'll be fired by the end of the year. Gotcha. Oh, oh snap. I hope the Clinton's not listening. <laughs> what does that matter? Stay from this side with my orange glasses. The stretch, but are you going to stand up on a podium and, and say it loud, or are you just going to... Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I mean, why are we so sure that Florida, I don't understand where this Florida hop is coming from. Why? I don't get it. I don't understand it. Improved, and I trust Brom. I like Brom. I've been saying I like Brom for, for years now. But uh, they had the second worst defense in the Big Ten last year. Uh, See, I need 50 yards rushing out of Bo Nicks this week. Or I'm not going to believe in Auburn winning all over the place but thank the lord that all they had to do was throw it within 15 feet of those dudes and they were just coming down with it yeah game week you can't beat that uh, feeling of game week good old game week move on to oh, oh, I'm, I'm not i'm not done with this all, all right, right sorry. go for it, go for I'm, it. Not, I'm not done You're now listening to All About the South podcast. Welcome to All About the South. I'm your host, Bronco Phillip. Welcome to this Monday edition of our Week 8 review. We've uh, had a short little leave of absence due to due to some occurrences that, that happened between all three of us. But uh, how are y'all doing returning to the pod? Well, let me clear it up so people don't think... That yeah, we got in trouble because you just said some occurrences. Uh, vacation for me, which was very nice and enjoyable. The summer wasn't enough, huh? No, sir. Got to enjoy that fall break, Thanksgiving <laughs> break coming up, Christmas break around the corner. So, just a, it's just a reminder that we don't do this as professionals. This is strictly for fun. For all yes, of sir. Us. Now, if all the money's if the money rolls in. Yeah. We might can arrange some things. Right. ESPN, hit us up. That'll be fun. All right, so we're going to jump into our um, our first segment, hit or miss, for our first question. Hit or miss, LSU should be the number one team in the country. Hit. Definitely hit. Uh, I made a tweet this weekend that, I didn't feel that Alabama was the number one team in the country. I said without Tua, and I got so much hate. Um, but, I, I mean, I'll even say with Tua, like, it showed how – this weekend against Tennessee showed how much Alabama relies on Tua and that their defense is not up to par like what it usually is. And LSU is just clicking on all cylinders right now, uh, like LSU. Well, LSU does have – uh, the best defensive player in college football, probably like Delpit, is very amazing. And Joe Burrow and all the magic they do there. It's hard for me just to put them there, but I mean, I guess they have to be after. I mean, with what they've done, and I want them to be anyway because you know they they match up with Auburn this week, so we'll just have to see what happens with that. So because because it's week eight and we haven't had a playoff poll yet, we have to have an AP poll. We have to have a number one team. 
So I guess I guess there's reason to put them at number one. I I don't necessarily they haven't faced the full meat of their schedule yet, even though they have a couple really good wins to be able to have an argument to be in that number one spot. But um, I believe Ohio State's right there. Uh, so is Clemson, and even Alabama has a little bit of reasons to claim that number one spot. And w- once LSU plays Auburn and they play Alabama. I think we'll get a good picture if they really are the number one team. But I think it's too early for me to say that they, they should be the number one team in the nation. But as of w- week eight, I think there's a lot of evidence to put them in that number one spot. Yeah. All right, moving on to our second question. Moving to the Atlantic Coast Conference. Manny Diaz was the wrong hire for Miami. Hit or miss. Probably, I think it's too soon to say. So I'm going to say miss, uh, even though it was a terrible loss against Georgia Tech. And what really stands out to me about Manny Diaz, which is what why I want to talk about him, is because he made a statement in this press conference that this is a rebuilding year. And I feel that when you're hired within, and you're two years ago, you, you won 10 games, you're recruiting good. I mean, I think they've recruited top 15 the past few years. Um, I'm not – it really bothered me that he said this is – he's rebuilding. But I don't think he's the wrong hire just yet. I mean, I don't think he's wrong with, when he says rebuilding because he could be talking about a culture and, and things like that. And they do need a, a little boost. But I also think it's too quick to just uh, to shoot the man down. But that's just how it is in college these days. I mean, what it's, what have you done for me lately? NFL coaches keeping their job for a year. You know, college coaches about the same. Uh, but Miami's got the brand. You know, they got a they were dominant three and three, just not good. But honestly, I don't think they've hired the right guy in the past. What? Since Coker's gone, I mean, I, Rick was decent, but I don't still th- I still don't think he was an amazing fit for him. But uh, yeah, I don't. Sure, I guess he's the wrong hire. I mean, I think they have a, a history of that. Manny Diaz is the correct hire for the University of Miami. His dad was the Dagon Mayor of Miami. He's he's a Florida guy. He has recruiting connections like crazy throughout that state although he did play at fsu he grew up in miami he's he's just he's a miami kid and um so me me and my wife and our family we've been going around we've been looking at houses and miami kind of reminded me of this one house that we we looked at it it looked pretty new on the outside looked all nice and everything but on the inside it was just absolute crap it was um it's just thrown up it um there was no correct foundation for the household. It was just thrown together as fast as they could, as cheap as they could. And I think that's a lot of what we're seeing with Miami. They just, it looks good on the outside, the U. Oh, there's a good history. Um, good uniforms, a bunch of good recruits and everything, but there's really no foundation there. And we're, we're seeing those leaks and those cracks in that foundation. And Man- Manny Diaz is trying to go to the root of that and fix it. And we're 
it's, it's just evident in, in the win-loss record and, and the play on the field. And so, but Manny Diaz is the guy and he's seeing that he needs to just completely start over in order to make it something better. Because Mark Rick was just putting band-aids on stuff. And every other coach has just been putting band-aids to get it, get a good win-loss record for a year or two. But Manny Diaz is trying to build a, a powerhouse. And so I, I it's all power to him and he's he's gonna do a great job down there. Fair enough. All right, back to the um, the the Southeastern Conference, the um, a perennial SEC contender. A lot of people want the Vandy head coaching job. Following what Derek Mason said in his post game interview, do y'all believe this is a hit or miss? That's a good. This is a coveted position. That's a really good question because I caught that interview like on late late night Sports Center or whatever, watching highlights, and I was like. I had to rethink it in my head. I was like, I was like, but do they really? But I, I honestly think he's the right guy. Like, really, there's not many guys that might be built for that job. I think a lot of people would pass up on that job, to be honest with you. But then there's some coaches that might take a chance. And however, I think they should just stick with Mason. I mean, they're they're going to get some upset wins, and that's what he does. Like, they're going to win six, seven games and upset a team or two. So just stick with him and. Uh, but I think he's built perfectly for that job. Yeah, I, I mean, I loved his enthusiasm in the uh, post-game interview. It was awesome. But nobody wants this job. Nobody wants to be no. Vanderbilt. No. Nobody. This is yeah. – You, I cannot think of a worse job, honestly, than Vanderbilt. Dang. He was. He, I mean, I'm not going to say. I think coaching at service school would be kind of rough too. That's true. That's true. That's, that's right up there with them. Yeah, I I'd have to agree with you, Kane. I and Nico actually. I think this is a. Um, I think this is a miss. But I think Derek Mason is your guy. There's. You're not going to get anything better, honestly. Derek Mason's a good coach, and. It's just you got a, a faculty and a program, an entire university that doesn't back Derek Mason. And um, like I've told you all earlier in the first um, first couple podcasts, my mom graduated there with her master's, and and we went up there a few years ago for her little first ceremony. And um, you couldn't find the the football stadium. It was they hide it in the back little corner, and they're like. It's not something that they're like super proud of, and so I. That's just not a program that I feel like big names are just yearning to take over. I was watching SEC Nation Saturday morning, and they had uh, Jordan Rogers on there. You know the Vanderbilt. Oh yeah, alum. So he they're talking about Vanderbilt, and he's like, "Yeah, should be a, a decent game. You know, there'll probably be about a thousand fans in the stands <laughs> for homecoming." Yeah. yeah. Beautiful True. campus, though, and it's a it's a great academic institution. It's just they just they're kind of they're caught in a conference that all they care about is football, and they care about everything else but football. So, yeah, that's what you get. Derek Derek Mason carries a lot, and so he, he probably is the right yeah. guy. I think he is. 
I think he's more the guy than Franklin was. Yeah, Franklin was. I mean, Franklin, honestly, probably was just really trying to get a bigger job. But I think Mason wants to be the guy who turns, you know, just tries to turn Vanderbilt into a maybe the SEC East winner one year. Who knows? Dream season. He could turn Vanderbilt into SEC East champion. He would. He could have any job he wanted. Yeah, no matter, no matter what his previous record was. Huh? Is it hard to recruit to Vanderbilt? It, it really is, huh? Well, thanks for joining us in this first segment. Please join us in a few, and we're going to jump into some of these insane matchups that happened over the weekend. All right, thank y'all. Welcome back to All About the South. So we're going to jump into some games in this segment. For the first part of the segment, we're going to venture outside the South a little bit. And we're going to, we're going to start with a um, prior to week eight, a playoff contender. After week eight, not a playoff contender, Wisconsin versus Illinois. What did y'all think of this game? Wisconsin. <laughs> Huge win for Levy Smith. Uh, you know, I, we were talking this weekend about, you know, Illinois used to kind of – they used to be solid. I remember, I mean, I remember seeing them in the Rose, Rose Bowl. I mean, and it really wasn't that long ago. Um, but, I mean, for Wisconsin, I'm, I'm not ready to say that they're overrated because they turned the ball over, and that's really what allowed – Illinois to win that game. They, I mean, they had two turnovers in the fourth quarter that cost them touchdowns. Um, so Illinois, I think the final score was is in the twenties. So I mean, Wisconsin still has that like defense. Twenty-four, twenty-one, or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, Illinois was a thirty and a half point underdog. Uh, biggest oh, yeah. ups, biggest upset of the year so far. So, oh yeah, I, I was really impressed. You know, Illinois just wanted it more on Saturday, and that's and Wisconsin took an L. Uh, did you guys happen to see the beard? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the magic in that thing. No, there's no surprise that they covered the thirty <laughs> point. Lovey Smith has so much wisdom stored in that beard <laughs> but i honestly i was just completely shocked i was actually with my uh hanging with my grandparents and some other family from up there 
in Ohio, and they're Ohio State fans, but of course they know about Illinois. And I told them, and they play Wisconsin next week, and they were talking about how that was like their biggest game of the year. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I agreed with them as well. And then Wisconsin lost to Illinois, and I looked. I asked my granddad. I was like, "Do you think Wisconsin was overlooking Illinois preparing for the big game with Ohio State?" And that's what I think happened. And uh, and I think that's a true. Like, oh, it's Illinois. You know, they've only won, or they hadn't won a conference game yet. So let's, uh, you know, let's just go in here and get this win. And it didn't happen. So that was pretty. It was. It was very surprising. Shock of the day, maybe of the football season. So, uh, to this point, very impressive. Yeah, we're we're getting to the point in the season where these these teams are preparing for those big games, like you said, and they're um, but they're playing lesser opponents, and then they they end up playing down to those opponents, and they they either barely skate by or they end up getting upset because it's just. Week in, week out, all they're getting beat down, and and so it comes around, and they just lose the game. But I don't, I by no means think, maybe on that day Illinois was the best team, but and I don't really think Wisconsin was super exposed. It was just a really bad game, and I I hate it when announcers and commentators use the eighteen to twenty one year old uh, terminology, but they are eighteen to twenty one year olds possible they just woke up on the wrong side of the bed and yeah they're supposed to be the top athletes in the nation blah 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 but just had a bad game but i'm super excited to see how they bounce back against ohio state hopefully it'll be someone that can challenge the um the untouchable ohio state buckeyes of 2019 yeah i would love to see a good game for sure and Jonathan Taylor to just go off and really challenge that defense because there hasn't been a rushing attack that challenges that defense, that defensive line. They've just been able to just just blitz and play hands with the offensive line on on, on dropbacks the entire year. So, but I do expect Wisconsin to really fall because they're not a they're not a. Yeah, they're they've been somewhat in the conversation the past few years, but they haven't been in the conversation like a Clemson, like a Georgia, like even an LSU. They they have or Oklahoma, Texas. They haven't been in the conversation like them. They always do this every year, something like this. They pull they pull one of these. So they, they, I I could see them falling out of the top ten. Quick side note: How about Minnesota undefeated right now? Rather the hook. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been waiting for right when Minnesota hired PJ Fleck. I watched that. Um, forgot what it was. It was like a it was a little series about yeah specials like like kind of like they're doing with Les Miles right now. But it was with, with Les Miles because PJ Fleck was such a big deal at Western Michigan, and he was so yeah. pumped for that job, and I was so excited. And we hadn't seen any f- real real fruit and progress from that. And then all of a sudden this year, boom, there it is. And so I'm super happy to see PJ Fleck being successful out there because I like him as a coach. Yeah, they 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 have the chance to win the West. They just, I mean, they gotta get get through Wisconsin, and Wisconsin already has one loss. But obviously, was if Wisconsin takes a loss this weekend to Ohio State, Minnesota's in the driver's seat. Yeah. Oh, 100. percent yeah, that, what a what a change of pace that Wisconsin just doesn't have a clear road to the Big Ten title. Right. 
<laughs> Minnesota and Baylor, the two shocks of the year. And sure. two great hires that happened a couple years ago, Fleck and Rule. Right. But speaking of um, ESPN series on new coach hires, Les Miles and Kansas taking on Texas in a, in a little good game. Y'all tuned into that one? I did. Well, I was tuned into the Tennessee game, but I was catching a little bit of it. And I wish so bad that we were just – could be like, you know, the Mad Hatter struck again. Uh, so close. They kick – I mean, they go for two with like a minute and 11 seconds left. They get it, clutch, and then they just can't – I mean, t- Texas drives down the field in a minute and kicks that field goal. It's heartbreaking for those guys. Yeah. Uh <laughs> I've been keep. I mean, I guess a lot of people are probably keeping up with Kansas through uh, the Les Miles series they're doing on ESPN, but it it is kind of depressing because I do root for him. I mean, he just uh, when he does in that show though, it just when like it's just Les Miles, but when he's speaking, you're just like, what is he talking about? <laughs> like I was like, how does he win football game? Like I don't like, I don't understand. But they go, his team goes out and they play hard for him and they execute. And I, I really think he's, I don't know, like he just, they're pretty magical out there. And you brought up the, the OC point the other day. Brent Deerman, dude. So this guy, this guy may get him a look somewhere. He looks like a pretty, like, super he, high. He's going to end up back up in the South at Alabama or something, I'm sure. But uh, this guy, he's pretty legit. I mean, and they don't have the, they don't have the players that Texas has, and they don't really probably even have the players that Boston College has, per se. They got a lot of walk-ons, and just people are going to play hard, and he's getting the most out of those guys. So I felt bad for him, but I think they're getting better, and Texas survived a big-time upset. Yeah, this is just showing the steps that um, Kansas is taking. Uh, sorry, there was another – sorry, dude. There was another thing that I saw that where – this was the and I'm sorry if you're about to make this point, but there was a ton of the for the past what twelve years that they played each other. I think Texas has beaten Kansas by at least thirty almost every time, maybe except for two. Like maybe one was like fourteen, but everything else was like over thirty points. And this game was you know that close, so that was pretty impressive too. Since like 2001, every team in the Big Twelve has just been stepping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, uh, as I was saying, this is just showing the steps that Kansas is taking, and, and Les Miles is serious about, about this position. And for y'all that have um, ESPN Plus and watched uh, Miles to Go, you have you see um, that they hired Brent Deerman, and he was the head coach at Bethel University at his alma mater, an oh, NAIA school, really? which you know hits hits close to home. We all played uh, college baseball in the um, NCCAA. And um, then I later on went to a Division II school that was in AIA, and they were transferring. And so I really I really liked the NAIA grind. And so I really paid attention to this dude. And um, when he first started out, he, he got a, a grad assistant job down at Auburn. And um, then he went to Arkansas Tech. And um, he... Um, 
he applied for some division one jobs and they said, nah, you're a, you're a D two coach. You're nothing more than a D two coach. And so he went back to his alma mater had coached them and they were just putting up crazy points. They had, I forgot the statistic, but it was like the most points of any college football program in the nation, just an ex- the most explosive offense. And, um, Kansas, Kansas called him and he's like, I have to take it. He's like, this is, this is, this is what, um, Everyone said I couldn't do it. And so that whole everyone said I couldn't do it, that chip on your shoulder, he's gonna he's gonna be something, dude. But he wasn't even the uh, OC for like they had an uh, older guy and I can't even remember his name now. At Arkansas Tech? No, uh here at Kansas, like he started out as their OC. Oh, Les. Yes, Dorian. Yeah. yeah. And they wasn't doing well. I think he might have got fired after the uh yeah, I can't he remember. was just an old like not to rag on the dude, but he's just an old timer. He wasn't really trying new things. He was like, oh, well, it's not working. But Brent comes in and he's just like, goes up to Car Stanley, you're my dude. Just he's, he's just a new young mind that just wants to win, you know? And yeah. that's, that's what you need, especially with Les Miles at the top of it all. For yeah, sure. I, was about, I was about to say that's what Les Miles has always needed. And he he's got it. And I think they could build something. I mean, nothing, I'm not going to say they're going to build a powerhouse, but he could compete in the Big 12. Les Miles is pretty old. Too. He's pretty old. Yeah, he's like he's up there with Nick Saban in age, 67-ish, 65. I wish he yeah. kind of got a head start and would have t- taken this job like three years ago when he was not coaching or two, however long. No, he should have quit that year. Him. He was just like yeah. a – it was like he was a, a leper. Nobody right. would touch him. No, I think people wanted to touch him. He just didn't want to. I don't think he wanted a big time profile job. Maybe, maybe so. His name was mentioned a couple times, but I don't think the SEC really wanted Les Miles back. Okay, so we've entered outside the South a little bit, but we're gonna we're gonna bring her on back in, and we're gonna start it off with um. Vanderbilt versus Missouri. Take it away. We already touched on that Derek Mason a little bit, but I mean Vanderbilt came to play, and and there wasn't many fans in the stands. Uh, They didn't have much to play for. The season's going downhill, Um, and I think I say Vanderbilt didn't have much to play for, but. I think we're really starting to see that Missouri doesn't have much to play for because yeah. of that, that SEC ban, the ball ban. Um, and Keyshawn Vaughn just took it to him. Uh, 29 carries, 96 yards, a touchdown. Uh, four receptions, 80 yards, a touchdown. And Bryant was just non-existent with 140 yards, a touchdown, an interception. Um, great win for Vandy. I, I I just want more from Missouri. I think they can they can be a lot better than they they are right now. Well, like I was saying earlier, Vandy's always due for Missouri might come back and you know play play better. I, you never, I never blame bowl bands on because I know that there's. I mean, there might be some of the guys on the team that think like that, but I know the nucleus and those seniors definitely, you know, are trying to win as many games as they can, but like I said, Vanderbilt's due 
they're going to upset a team every year. I mean, they put Notre Dame on upset alert last, uh, maybe last year, I believe, uh, and the uh, the year before that too, because they played like a home and away in both those close. So, uh, I mean, Vandy's always do those kind of tough games, and I don't think Missouri season's over by any stretch. They're, they've won too many games for their season just to be over, you know. So it's a, it's pretty crazy that the team that lost UNLV turns around and beats a hot Missouri team. It just yeah, it makes it makes no logical sense. But you know that's just what happens. It's what happens on a, any given Saturday. But I said before the season started, I could definitely see Missouri towards the end of the season starting because of that bowl ban. And not necessarily them being like, oh, I don't care to win, but more of a mindset of when things get hard and it's like it's fourth and one and you got to line up and you just got to dominate a dude. It's like, uh, yeah, I really want this. But there's something about, I mean, you got to have good film too. I mean, you guys got to understand, like, you got to understand that too. Like, if you want to go to the NFL, they're going, you got to put some good film on, you know, out. So that's another thing that I see. Though. Yeah, I, I was about to get to that. But so fourth and one, you're pushing, and then it's like, uh, is this really worth it? Is this really? Am I going to lay my body down on the line? Is it? Is it really? We're we're not going anywhere. And so I could see them losing some games because of that. But I could definitely see them to prove their point, like Kelly Bryant, Roundtree, even though uh, uh, Albert O's getting hurt every single game. Um, them shocking a Florida. Or, or whatnot, because they have to, because they're trying to prove and up their NFL stock. And so sneaking one of those games, but losing, like I said before the season, with an Arkansas or a Vandy, stuff like that, because they're just like, when things get tough, they're like, uh, is this, it's kind of just like, eh, y- y'all know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I definitely do. You know, even the, like the guys who, who, probably know they're not going to make an NFL roster. You know, they're just having a good time playing football. And then it's when it comes to crunch time, like you said, it's they may not have that desire. Yeah. You have but, championship teams and then you just have teams. And they can't be a championship team. And what's crazy is all this may get overturned at the end of the year and they're going to be like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, excuse my language. But... Yeah, that would be something. Well, mo- moving to a team that uh, – two teams that have sh- uh, problems showing some passion, Georgia Tech versus Miami. Georgia Tech came out and, and shocked the U, the team that uh, has a, had a sole win and a loss to the Citadel, uh, ended up shocking Miami. Did y'all get to catch out this game? Yeah, I mean, what did – Williams get hurt, or he just got his spot taken by Perry. I mean, I hadn't really kept up. What's with that again? Miami. Did Perry take a Williams spot, or was yeah, Williams hurt? He was, I, he was replaced. Okay. Uh, Nikosi came in, but during this game, Jaron Williams got uh, a significant number of snaps. But uh, Nikosi Perry has shown that he's the better, better quarterback. Yeah. Uh, didn't this coach from Georgia Tech come in and say like their offense is going to start looking more like pro style, but like a very fast pace? And now they still just look like the old Georgia Tech, just from like you know the pistol and the shotgun, which I like. I really do like their offense. It's uh, and I think it'll be pretty good. But well, 
that game really didn't interest me, but I'm I'm happy that Georgia Tech got a I mean they got a win. They needed that after losing to Temple. What they score only two points? Yeah. Yeah, so like to score twenty eight and get a win, I mean that had that had to be nice for Georgia Tech. Yeah, that's a huge win for Collins in the four oh four. Jordan Mason had a good day, 20 attempts, 141 yards, and a touchdown. So, I mean, they ran the ball effectively. Uh, they had a fake punt for a touchdown, a fumble recovery for a touchdown, blocked a field goal there at the end. Uh, to, to, I think they took it into overtime. No, did they take that game into overtime? What, Georgia Tech? Uh, yeah. Uh, no. Okay, well, they, they blocked a pretty crucial field goal, I remember, towards the end of the game. And yeah, they like, didn't make a big play at the end. So, I mean – they, that's the recipe for winning games, you know, play defense, get turnovers, special teams. And Miami just didn't have it. Yeah. the um, I like the hire with Jeff Collins. He's kind of the cheerleader, you know, with 404, the culture. Everything is 404, 404, 404, which I don't blame him. Honestly, Georgia Tech is a sleeping giant, and he's got a lot of stuff to that he needs to work out, but – if he keeps on a good track, he's going to have a, a, a force to be reckoned with in downtown Atlanta. Yeah, but can you really can he get the like the best athletes from Atlanta? It's, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, well, I mean, in Georgia Tech, pretty hard to get into. I mean, like in so, there, so like is every other ACC school. But yeah, fair enough, fair yeah enough. It's, it's a pretty pretty rigorous program. But like, so is Wake Forest. So is um. A lot of these other other schools, even Georgia. Georgia's a hard school to get into. Oh, okay. So they can get anybody in. Yeah. He just I do like the four hundred four. <laughs> I mean, he's gonna get. He wants to recruit Atlanta hard, and if Georgia Tech wants to be good, they definitely gotta dominate that area. But um, it just seems that like Jeff Collins, <laughs> how his offense has developed over the games. We kind of wrote him off after Clemson and Siddle. But watching the games, his offense is evolving into what he wants it to be. And this past game, there was the glimpses of that quick tempo pro style offense. He was just handing off to the back and the and the two gap, just just blowing up gaps and just just going off for twelve yards every time, just utilizing those running backs. Graham doing rollouts, just dropping back, and yeah, he throws the ugliest ball in the ACC, but he was he was on point. And um, when he when he's able to throw the ball downfield and they have an efficient efficient running game and he can roll out and scramble because he's an option quarterback they're they're I'm not going to say they're dangerous but they're effective and especially when they go to like fourth and one like they did a couple times and they just go into the triple option and it's it's like they they're finally going into something they're comfortable with and they get it and it's it's, it's it's fun to watch, but Miami, it just, um, you know, when if you don't like your coach and your coach kind of tells you to do something and you kind of half butt it and then it doesn't work and you're like, yeah, that dude's an idiot kind of thing. Yeah. That kind of seems what like Miami's doing. They're just like, I don't know if it's their OC. I really don't think it's Manny Diaz, but they're just kind of like, that's kind of what the culture seems like. They're just like, they're half half doing it, and then they're like, "It's not working," and they're just like, "Yeah, it sucks." But uh, 
it's not, it's unfortunate with for Miami, especially Georgia Tech, but it's a significant win for Georgia Tech. It's what Jeff Collins needed. It's what the Yellow Jacket, Ramblin' Wreck Nation needed. Is they just they needed a marquee win, even though Miami's three and four right now. They're a football program, and for Georgia Tech to have that win, and he can go into homes in in Atlanta and South Georgia, even on over in Alabama and over here in South Carolina, he can be like, "Hey, we're making improvements. I need a quarterback. I need a guy that can throw it past forty yards. Um, this is what we're doing here. We're building something here, and so it's it's a big win for Georgia Tech." Yeah. Take it on back to a couple blue bloods. Tennessee versus Alabama. You want to kick this one off, Kane? Ooh. I will. Uh, I'll try not to talk too long on it because obviously as a Tennessee fan, I'm very frustrated. Um, but it's the third Saturday in October. You know, the last time Tennessee beat Alabama, I was 13 years old. Um. And no, by no means did I think Tennessee going into this game think Tennessee would be able to compete. Um, but I, I knew that we were starting to kind of hit our stride. Like we're we're getting better, obviously, every single week. Um, and it was pretty clear that we we've we've progressed so much since Georgia State. Um, just got to learn how to win and how to make crucial plays. And um, so take it to the game. Um, Jarrett Garantano, fourth and one. Opportunity to make the score 20 to 28 with seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Um, it, we don't know. Pruitt hasn't came out. Nobody's came out and said it. Uh, it seems pretty clear that the play call was a run to the left side. The whole defense crashed to the middle, expecting quarterback sneak. Um, Garantano, for some reason, checked the play to a sneak and still didn't run the sneak effectively. I mean, when you run a quarterback sneak, you typically leave your body pretty low, drive down in there, and he just stood up. Fumbles the ball, 100 yards, touchdown, 35-13. But this is the first time that I can remember Tennessee just matching up with Alabama on the front side, uh, on the offensive line, on the defensive line. Um, I mean, they – it, they had their way. Like the offensive line completely dominated that game, and they looked evenly matched with Alabama. Um, so it was good to see. Hopefully, Tennessee can carry this into a bowl game. Uh, we got six games left. Got to win five, so it's not going to be easy. Um, yeah, it was a heartbreaker. I mean, Tennessee had a valiant effort for sure. I mean, they're. I think their defense made so many plays. That definitely could have helped them. I didn't get to see if I didn't really get to see if did the special teams make any big plays, Kane? Or no, Alabama made more special teams. Well, Jalen Waddle made more special teams plays. Yeah, he was pretty dangerous. But Tennessee's defense, I mean, they picked two off right there on the goal line, of course, and made a lot of big plays in that game. Uh, but the Batuli ejection, really, I think that hurt Tennessee. Uh, I never thought Tennessee would win the game, but, I mean, you know, be within uh, eight points if they would have scored on the goal line there would have been a very interesting finish to that, you know, football game. 
But it, it stinks that Batuli, I don't think you even spoke on that really. But it, it does it does stink that he got kicked out of that game. I mean, I've seen people push people down by their helmet and get up, you know what I mean? And it's just crazy that he got ejected for that. I mean, he did he clear that he did get up that way. But I mean, who doesn't? I mean, everybody does. It's a rivalry. Tennessee, it's a closed game. I mean, get out of here. And you're talking about so that was Daryl Taylor. And that so Oh, happened, that wasn't Batuli, sorry. No. I thought that was Batuli. So what happened there is uh I can't remember. I think we were down by a touchdown. Um and he did that on a third down. It cost us fifteen yards. They drove down the field, went up two scores. Uh Batuli did get ejected though because for targeting. It, I mean by rule, it was right there at the goal line. Uh Jerry Judy was going in. And Batuli, he was just stopping Judy from getting in the end zone any way he could. Um, put his helmet to his helmet. But it did hurt us, though, because that was in the first half. Yeah, I think if um, Maurer doesn't get hurt and just two things just supernaturally go Tennessee's way, they win the game. And... Um, one thing did go their way with Tua going down and Mac Jones coming in. And that just that's just a little scary for Alabama fans. Yes, there are pauses from that game that for Alabama fans. The fact that they actually had a rushing attack this game and it wasn't just them getting some garbage yards and uh when they're up by 35 on the guy. But um but Harris breaking the hole, the offensive line doing their job and and them showing a proficient rushing attack. But it just shows how much how great Jalen Hurts was for them, how 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 important he was in that because of Tua's injury history that he was able to come in and there wasn't a huge drop off, but there was a significant drop off with Mac Jones. Back I mean, there. I think yeah. that's that's the most significant drop off from first to second that I can think of because Mac Jones looked. Terrible. I was about to say uh, it took Slade Bolton, the receiver, to throw a touchdown. But yeah. uh, I, do you guys think that this is going to be to to his brother's week to play? I he, I don't think he's he's that great either. It this just shows that. But I'm saying, Alabama's do you think it's going to be his week to recruit with, to back up to it because no. In our in the age of transfer portal, in the age of I want to play right away, nobody wants to sit behind Tua. Nobody wants to sit behind Trevor Lawrence. These young guys that have the job in concrete, and it sucks. It sucks. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll see uh, Tua's brother because they're playing Arkansas this weekend. Um, yeah. So I re- I think we'll see him, and I, I I don't think it can be any worse than Mac Jones, to be honest. He he could not make throws. I mean, he wasn't stepping in throws. Everything was short. Uh, I can only think He's of He's not used to having to play in a tight game. Yeah. I can only think of one good throw he made on a dig route. Yeah, I don't I don't mean to bash an eighteen year old kid and watch him come out and just put up like four fifty on Arkansas, but from what I've talked about him and from from sources and whatnot about the youngest took of Viola. Is that the best thing about him is his last name, and that's that's unfortunately that's what a lot of people are saying. Surely he'll he'll prove us wrong somehow, but that's what a lot because he's he's shorter in stature, not as powerful of an arm. Um, 
cerebral, he's probably right there with him. But um, yeah, that's just what I've always heard of him. Yeah, but I could still see him getting a a lot of playing time. Just I mean, with the red shirt rule and all that, Mac Jones. Yeah, didn't look I, great. And one other thing I want to touch on. So, uh, you know, everybody Tennessee fans mostly. I mean, not me. But we're seeing a lot of people talking about the refs, about the penalties. Uh, they're on Alabama side. And I, I do agree there was some calls, but Alabama and Tennessee both had 93 total yard total yards each in penalties. So it went yeah. both ways. Um, one key, though, that stood out to me was we're on the five-yard line. I believe we were going to tie the game with Juwan Jennings. So Garantano <laughs> ran out to the right. And Jawan Jennings slid into quarterback, and then all of a sudden the referees just stopped the game for no reason. So it gives it gives yeah they literally just called timeout, ran, talked for like two seconds, and then ran back to their spot. So it gave the defense time to adjust. Uh, Jawan still ended up scoring, and then it got called back for holding. They stopped JG from throwing in a pick. <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe that's. What it was. <laughs> He doesn't. He doesn't throw picks. He just doesn't throw it. He just takes a sack. All righty. Moving to a, the SEC East. Old Georgia had a had a rough week with the old uh, with old cocky. Moving on to the Bluegrass State, Kentucky. Solid win. How'd y'all feel about this game? It was sloppy. Just beca- I mean. With the weather conditions, it was sloppy. Uh, yeah. There wasn't much they could do. But it just, to me, it still doesn't seem like Georgia is clicking right. Like, there were still miscues. I mean, obviously, the rain played a pretty big factor in that. Um, but some key things is, like, I saw Pickens three times catch curl routes at at the first down line, and he's trying to do too much. He's going back four yards on crucial third downs. Fromm is just making these decisions that don't make sense. Um, what was he, like six for nine for 38 yards or something? Yeah. Yeah, so something like that. And on the other side with Kentucky, like, I like Bowden. I think – I mean, he's a playmaker, but Kentucky can't run a uh, Pop Warner offense – and <laughs> I mean, that's what I think. It's like put your best athlete quarterback and let him run. That's what you do in Little League. <laughs> it's, it worked for a game. It's yeah. not going to yeah. work anymore. Yeah. Definitely was rooting for uh, Bowden to pull out some magic, but they just couldn't score on Georgia. And their offense is so predictable with him at quarterback. He's two for 15, under 20 yards passing. I mean, they're going to stack the box and say, beat us and that's what they did but uh nobody could really pass the ball that game jake from's numbers took a hit you know that game uh he had 35 passing yards i hope i'm looking at that right 35 35 yards his number his heisman numbers definitely took a hit uh that game uh swifts didn't though i mean he played very well but that weather made it very hard and for Lynn Bowden, who's already going to struggle throwing the ball, made it even harder on him. Tough, tough game for Kentucky, but 
I think it they kind of prove. I mean, they kind of show they had a decent defense. I mean, obviously it's just a run. Uh, who could run the ball better? And then George obviously could. Uh, I am kind of. I'm not going to judge anybody's passing abilities, but 35 yards for Jake Fromm just that seems crazy to me. Just seeing that by his name. Yeah, that's that's a little rough. I think if the weather wasn't as bad as it was, I could I could see it being like a 45-10 game. But they just they seem like before the game they're like this could be a revenge game that just came off of South Carolina. George just gonna destroy and wipe them off the field. Maybe Bowden was gonna try something. But then the the guy in the game the, and the weather was so bad and they're like, We're just gonna run them to death and we're gonna come out with a win. With all those with those crazy extreme circumstances with weather, I feel like No injuries, yeah. Yeah, no injuries and you just wanna win the game. And so their the revenge tour was put on a hold for a second, but um, yeah, Bowden, I like his story. I like how he comes from Ohio, and the Big Ten really didn't want to touch him because of his uh his history or whatnot. Cause supposedly he was a little hoodlum or whatnot, but he seems like a good guy behind uh behind the camera. But yeah. um, yeah, I think it's it was exactly kind of what we needed to see from Georgia. And honestly, that might be just what Georgia needs to do is just hand the ball off. But uh, before last week, I was I was thinking about their offensive line. And I was like, all, all they need to do is just put a fullback back there and just run the ball. I, I think what, what they're doing right now with just like single back formations and how massive their offensive line is, I don't think their offensive line is is – quick enough or shorter in stature like some of these other other universities to be able to pull two guys or pull a guard all the way to the other side and get there in time because their offensive line is just so massive and um which i guess that's a good problem to have kind of but when you got all those running backs find a guy that's a daggum fullback and just run the heck out of the ball that's 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 what I believe with Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. Don't ask Fromm to do too much. I mean, they got they got a bye week. So does Florida to get ready for the cocktail party. That's yeah, going to be a good game. Yeah. All right. Moving back to the Atlantic Coast Conference, Virginia Tech beats UNC. Virginia Tech making a conversation for the coastal title kind of bringing it down to them and their in-state rival the first time we ever saw six overtimes really right yeah two-point conversion off i learned of a new rule this weekend for sure it just started this year that rule did yes um Virginia Tech, this proved a lot to me because probably for about first five to six weeks of the season, I was really hammering down on Fuente, Virginia Tech, and their culture as a whole. You could just see something wasn't right. But after they, they beat Miami and um, they're, they're sitting there four and two, and then they come and they're, they're, playing, uh, they're playing UNC in their house, and Hooker was the right move. Willis is uh, 
sorry, Ryan Willis, if you're listening, but he's trash. He's he's just he's not the quarterback for that offense, not the quarterback for Virginia Tech. And Hooker is a good quarterback. He doesn't throw the prettiest ball, but he's athletic. And they need an athletic quarterback in that system and behind that line. And um Hooker was moving and they were going shot for shot with Sam Howell, Mac Brown, and that Phil Longo offense going just pat for pat with them. Then Hooker goes down and it's like, oh crap. Here comes Ryan Willis. And and the kind of the mood goes down a little bit too because they're not able to utilize the weapons on the outside that they have, like Trey Turner. And you could see the holes for McLeese were kind of shortening. But McLeese in the first um, first half, he was hitting a hole and there'd be one linebacker there and he was breaking tackles and he was going for 12, 15 yards. And, but Ryan Willis was struggling. And here comes Quincy Patterson. <laughs> one of the major stories with Virginia Tech. He's four-star recruit, had a 90 rating from 24-7 sports. He's from Chicago. Uh, Quincy. Elite, elite 11, dude. 6'4", 245. And he comes out and he's just he, – he's the next big thing. He's, he's going to – by the time he gets done – I remember when Lamar Jackson came in and started getting reps for Louisville, and it was kind of a similar situation, and everyone was just like, oh, this guy is all right. But looking at Quincy Patterson and how his ability to also throw the ball and how much of a force he is running the ball, he's going to – I can see him being the best quarterback in the Coastal by next year or the year after that. Red shirt freshman, I'm extremely high on him. And his ability to just – put that offense on his back and win that game as a redshirt freshman, it, it blew my mind. And very, it's what Justin Fuente needed. Justin Fuente, and where, where's this guy been? You've been hiding him in the woodworks. You redshirted this dude, and he comes out and just balls out for you when you've been sitting behind Ryan Willis losing to Old Dominion. Makes no sense. I'm not at the practices, but the big stories for Virginia Tech is a defense that actually looked like a Bud Foster defense. Like, what, where, where have you been this entire time? And Quincy Patterson. And UNC, you know, UNC did the UNC thing. I lost a close game. Mac Brown gave it all that he could. Say, uh, Chaz Surratt just doing work. Um, Sam Howell giving it all he got. Daz Newsom is a heck of a wide receiver. But Virginia Tech came out one, and they're making a case for the Coastal. Yeah, sneaky five and two. Yes, very sneaky. But we got to point point out Sam Howell did have a heck of a game. Oh yeah, uh, that whole game. Like I really, I felt like North Carolina was going to win the game, and it's like everything just kept turning around, going Virginia Tech's way, and Quincy goes in there and does his thing and balls uh, out. Yeah, you said you said you mentioned Lamar Jackson. It made me think today. I saw a clip. Uh, of Lamar Jackson when he was, or last this past Sunday when they were playing the Seahawks, and Harbaugh looks at Jackson, he's like, "Hey, you want to go for it right here? I mean, this is to win the game." And uh, Jackson's like, "Hell yeah, let's let's do it!" <laughs> and he looks at his other line, he's like, "Y'all want this?" And they're like, "Yeah." And and Jackson just punches it in, runs it seven yards for a touchdown. Uh, Lamar Jackson's a baller, dude. Yeah, yeah. I, you, I, I by you no means up? think they're the exact same quarterback. But they have that same kind of exciting element to them. Yeah. So, and, like, and Quincy had a run there in overtime, and it was like the same exact run that 
He's a baller. baller. And it's it's cool. Yeah. He balled for sure. Yeah, you brought up the point of remember when Lamar Jackson like came out. It was actually against Auburn, like uh, to lead off the season one year. Uh, I can't remember who got hurt. I was the running Bonifon, I believe was. Uh, maybe he just acted crazy, or he got hurt, or was just sucking. But Lamar came in, and man, he just took off running on Auburn. That's getting it and just running. So that was pretty scary back then. But uh, honestly, you don't honestly want to hear my opinion on this because it might make you pretty angry drew but it's kind of a another reason why a lot of people are upset with clemson just because their schedule is becoming more and more suspect of a schedule but hey they can only play who's on their schedule and all that good stuff but for the acc just to continue to beat themselves up i guess wouldn't be a good look for for old clemson yeah, just all Clemson can do is continue to win like they're winning and improve and then get to the playoff again and beat the best team that's ever walked to earth 44 to 16 again. So, LSU? Yeah, yeah LSU. The guys, the guys <laughs> have never been in the playoff before. <laughs> I also wanted to touch on Wake Forest and FSU while we're talking about the ACC. Um, I think this proves a lot for Wake Forest and it kind of, I don't think it delegitimizes Jamie Newman, but it shows how good that wide receiving core is, which with Sage, Kendall Hinton making one, one handed grabs, Sam, Sam Hartman and Scotty Washington, Sam Hartman was just throwing it like anywhere. And those guys were just snagging it. And Sam Hartman showed out. I was, I was very, I picked FSU in that game because I was like, I don't know about Sam coming in. Could be a little rusty. FSU is going to want to come and establish themselves in this game after losing to Clemson. Came up, showed out. And so. Yeah. Win for Wake Forest. Happy for old Sam Hartman. I'm yeah, I like it. Sam. I, at the Clemson game uh, two, two, two weekends ago, um, I sit right next to the recruiting station, uh, recruiting stands in, in the stadium. That's where I have my tickets. And they have baseball players there, basketball players there. Every sport comes for the recruiting event during the games. And I swear I saw a dude with an Oceanside Collegiate uh, hoodie on. <laughs> I was like, let's go. Uh, sign that kid. I want one of those. I want to order one of those shirts. Yeah, with the with the shark, the land sharks. Yes, I could see Hartman transferring and be being successful if he ends up in the right place. Oh yeah, he's he's a good quarterback. Yeah, he's he's a little undersized, I guess, especially compared to like Quincy Patterson. But um, <laughs> he he just he gets the job done, you know. Yeah. So you, you gotta you gotta like that. All right, this will this will end our um, our game segment. Please join us in a few, and we'll we'll go over a little Heisman talks. Thank you.
Welcome back, all you faithful listeners, to All About the South. In this final segment, we're going to um, jump into a little Heisman talks. And so we're going to go over like our top three as of week eight and then who we would like, who we really project to be the winner of the coveted Heisman Trophy Award. You want to start us out, Nico? Uh, for Heisman? Yeah. Uh, I wish Tua wouldn't have got hurt because, I mean, he's pretty high. But right now i got to go with Jalen Hurts out of Oklahoma. And I think he's just going to keep that trend going for Oklahoma quarterback. Jalen Hurts is definitely my guy right now. Do I need to name some other people? Yeah, there's a top three. Oh, sorry. I I guess there really is. Uh, Jalen Hurts, definitely number one. So I'll just start from number one and go down. But – Joe Burrow has got to be number two as of now. And heck, two has got to be number three. And I, I mean, I'm going to just for SEC, but I think those three deserve it and exactly in that order as well. Yeah, so I, I also am going with Hertz. That's who I'm predicting. Um, now, if we, if we stop the season right here, I think Burrow has, he has a case. Um, I'm trying to pull up some stats. Justin yeah. Fields. So for my my number three, I have I got Justin Fields. Um, he's just he's more of like your most valuable player, especially for the Big Ten as a whole, because he's just the the things that he can do on the field is is incredible, and how how that offense is just created for him. And although I don't think – I don't believe that he's putting up the best numbers. He's still putting up amazing numbers. But he's not putting up crazy numbers. But just watching the game, it's like this guy, this guy's a Heisman contender. And number two, I got Jalen Hurts. Um, I believe seeing Baker Mayfield, a, a Texas Tech transfer, a guy that's kind of that's struggling in the league a little bit with the best wide receivers in the league seeing a guy that um an undersized guy that was a transfer also and then Jalen Hurts a guy that really struggled throwing the ball at Alabama all three of those guys coming up and putting up thousands of thousands of yards and just crazy numbers I, I'm I think it delegitimizes them winning the award a little bit what uh, would y'all not agree with me I'm not saying that they're bad players but it's just it could be that they might be system quarterbacks with the Big Twelve defenses. I mean, I don't. I, I think completely different. I think they would, the media and stuff would like to see three straight, and you know that. Yeah, yeah, three, I, so. I can see the media, but don't y'all think it's a little odd that at Alabama against Clemson and SEC defenses, Jalen Hurts struggled throwing the ball a lot, and he there was talks of just making him a, a running back. And then within one offseason, he's a perennial passer in the Big 12. Or does that say a lot about uh, – I mean, does that say a lot about the offense that Lincoln Riley runs? Yeah, I think it's uh, – yeah, it, it could be a little bit of both, but mm. – Next yeah. week, yeah. But uh, for number one, I got Joe Burrow. He's just – 
to my point about Jalen Hurts, because yeah, the Heisman Trophy is a very st- statistical, statistically ran award, and Joe Burrow to be putting up this amount of numbers, and for an LSU offense that has not been able to pass the ball since Jamarcus Russell, and he's just coming out and he's just he's he's throwing it all across the yard, and. <sighs> And putting up those numbers against, you know, SEC defenses, it's just it, it uh, proves a lot more to me than Jalen Hurts. Well, you're making uh, it sound like a career award, kind of like, it, but it is. It is. It's, it's, it's an award that stays it, with you for the rest of your life. Am I wrong? No, I mean, with Jalen Hurts, you're basically, you're basically saying he's sucked at Bama and now he's good, so he's well, going to win the. You have to game. take in evidence, like, for instance, with Alabama and Clemson being in the top four, you have to take in evidence. Of, of who they are as a team. And you have to take in the evidence of who people are because he's not a completely different person from six months ago. No, he's playing completely worse defenses, though, that are not SEC defenses with, with not as good as line. As, Oklahoma has a good line, but not with some of the linemen that he So he's, I think he's done – a lot, and I think he's showed that he actually can be a solid quarterback. That he's actually turned himself into an NFL like prospect quarterback. So Oklahoma has pretty... a top five line in the nation. They they pull in higher rated recruits than um, Alabama, and they're up there with like Texas on those O line recruits. Oklahoma is known, but if he comes out and he's still putting up these numbers, and he leads them to an SEC championship and possibly a playoff berth. He's winning the Heisman, you know. <laughs> and what a story that would be! And Ohio State fans would somewhat claim that because he started out there. Yep, the guy who's took who was it that took his spot? Tate Martell, I guess he's white. Yeah, Tate Martell was um, uh, what was his name? Dwayne Haskins' backup. Okay. And Tate Martell was waiting out his turn. And Justin Fields comes running along. Man. Tate Martell not playing very good. And uh, Burrow is. Joe yeah. Burrow is pretty daggum good. Swaggy but Joe. I, I hope we can podcast later in the week, I guess, and talk about the Auburn LSU matchup. So that would be interesting. Yeah. Because this might be the best front se- – I mean, it is going to be the best front seven he's faced, I would say. Like, we're ready to get out of Oh, yeah, her, uh... 100%. I haven't given up on, on Auburn by, by no means. It's, it seems like the entire nation, they were so high on Auburn, then all of a sudden they lost to Florida and nobody's talking about them. You know, y'all have noticed that, and I don't think that's necessarily the case. It was, it was because how we lost to Florida, but we'll get, maybe that will be in a, another discussion. Well, all right. We basically dominated that game, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Must well, see TV, right. huh? Thanks for joining us. Uh, please join us later this week as we uh, preview an awesome week nine that's ahead of us. All right. Thank y'all. Good job.